All right, you guys ready? Ready to jump in? Can you all just take a deep breath? All right, so good. Uh, We'll start here in Matthew chapter one. If you guys wanna open your Bibles, we're gonna jump in. Matthew chapter one, verse 22 to 23. Matthew chapter one, 22 to 23 says this. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Can we just say that? God is with us. I mentioned this last week, but God could have came in an all-powerful state, yet he came in an extremely vulnerable state. That for God to truly be with us, he had to be like us. Right? And the way in which he came, God putting on flesh as a child birthed by his own creation, we actually see an aspect of his nature that is so crucial for us to understand what it means to have a relationship with God. That the nature of what it meant for God to be with us, we see it in the way that he came. And so, Today, specifically, I want to talk about the humility of Jesus. Uh, St. Augustine, he has this quote that I love. He says this, I just want you to listen. He says, man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that bread might hunger, that the fountain would thirst, that light would sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. This is God who is with us. This is the humility of our King. Uh, Hebrews 4.15, it says this, that this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so this passage, I mean, every one of us have, have probably have heard this passage. And the context for in the Old Testament, the the high priest was the one who uh, was allowed to enter in God's presence only one time a year. So if you know the Old Testament, you know the tabernacle, uh, there was the outer courts, right, where sacrifices were made, right? People can go in there, they could bring sacrifices. There's the inner courts, and then there's the Holy of Holies, which there is a veil that separated access into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. So this was the place where God's manifest, tangible presence could dwell in, but only one person could enter in that place. Because if you weren't this one person, you would die. <laughs> because that's how holy his presence was. And so the high priest would go in once a year on Yom Kippur, right, the Day of Atonement, and he would offer a sacrifice or sprinkle blood on the Ark of the Covenant, and this was to atone for the sins of Israel. He would step in to a place that man who weren't him could not enter to make an atonement for their sacrifice. And so Jesus is the ultimate high priest, but not only that, is he is a high priest that also understands. He's a high priest that that can enter in God's presence, but he also understands what kept us out of God's presence. 
that the creator of the universe, the very one who holds every atom together, understands your weakness. And I love this because Jesus came in weakness. I want you to listen to this. Jesus came in weakness to show us you don't need strength to draw near to him. So many of us feel like we need to, to, to muster up strength or, or we have to reach this level of a, a spiritual consecration and then we can be with God. But when we see the way in which God was with us, the way in which Jesus came, he didn't come in this all-powerful state. He came as a baby. And so when we even think about that, like, it's mind-blowing, <laughs> that he shows us that you don't need strength to draw near to him. He came in weakness, but not in a weakness in the way that we see it. I think we often see weakness in a negative light, but not weakness that is a result of insecurity, but one that is actually a result of dependency. That this is the way Jesus ruled and rules today with a heart of humility. So Matthew 5, 5, Jesus is giving the list of the Beatitudes. And one of them, he says this, he says, God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. That it's not the strong or the boastful or the powerful, but the humble. It's not the one who's interested in climbing the social ladder and focus on possessing what he can conquer in this world, but the one who is patient to wait for the inheritance that God promises. That it's the patient, the gentle, the self-controlled, and the lowly who will inherit the earth. I want to say this thing that humility is actually the key to increase in his kingdom. Humility is the key to seeing increase in his kingdom. That Jesus often referred to himself as humble and lowly in heart yet he stood against the entire power structure of his day. That religious authorities, and, and, and he also endured torture at the hands of his captors, but in spite of his enormous strength, authority, and power, he fully embodied humility. That to be humble is not to be weak in the way which we think. To be humble in a biblical sense actually requires a certain kind of inner strength that is exceedingly rare. And so, as I mentioned that humility is the key to see increase in his kingdom, this increase is found in being like him, right? If you wanna see increase in the kingdom, the increase is actually found in you becoming more like Jesus. That's the increase. That, that is, that is the, the reward. And I wanna read three scriptures just really quick. I talk about humility. Uh, Proverbs 22, four says, humility is the fear of the Lord. It's wages and riches and honor and life. Luke 14, 11 says this, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. James 4, 6 says, and he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So how does scripture define humility? How does scripture define humility? I want us to go to Philippians 2. And I actually want to break this down and pull some things out of this for us today. Uh, Philippians 2, 3 to 8, it says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. 
not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So the first thing that we see here about how scripture defines humility is that humility is having pure motives. Humility is having pure motives. That when we do things from selfish ambition, it's actually rooted in pride. The second thing is valuing others above yourself. When you view others below you, it's rooted in pride. The third thing we see here is actually humility looks like being concerned with others' needs and interest. That if we're only focused on our own needs, it's rooted in pride. The fourth thing is that not using, humility is not using your position to your advantage. Using your authority over people is rooted in pride. The last one is serving others. That not being willing to be inconvenienced for others is rooted in pride. C.S. Lewis says this quote, he says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And so when we see this list, when we see how Paul shows us in Philippians how scripture defines humility, this is also how Jesus is to us. If you didn't get that yet, this is how our humble king is with us, that he interacts with us with holy motives. He does not come to control or manipulate us, that he valued you more than his own life on the cross, that he could use his position as king and Lord to make us do what he wants as slaves, yet he invites us in to partner with him as sons and daughters, that he is constantly serving us by guiding, speaking, comforting, and leading us through with his Holy Spirit. So this is how Jesus interacts with us. Matthew 20, let's go there. Matthew 20, 25 to 28. Jesus says this, that Jesus called his disciples together and he said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Guys, that on this earth, we rule differently. Our leadership looks differently than leadership in the world. Our parenting looks different. That however you're called to lead, in a capacity, it looks different than what it looks like in the world. That the key to leadership in the kingdom is servanthood, it's sacrificial love. And this is interesting, I don't know if you guys knew this, but in the Old Testament, the word humility actually carries the meaning to bend low to the ground. To bend low to the ground. It's actually an expression of submissiveness that in Genesis 2, 7, it says that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living 
being. And so when we embody humility, listen, in moments when it's easier to choose not to, we're literally returning to the dust. We return to God's design and perfection of the garden, that when we bow low in that way. And so I want to give us a, a simple contrast between pride and humility. Uh, pride is being conceited, feeling superior over others, or arrogant. Whereas humility is not arrogant, it's gentle, it's ready to serve others, and it's to be teachable. That humility is actually rooted in security, but pride is actually rooted in insecurity. When pride comes up in your life, it actually has a root. <laughs> There's actually a root that, that has caused the fruit of pride to come out, and it's actually insecurity. Think of, think of how secure God would have to be to come in a way that he had to be dependent on his creation. He, he, as a baby, if you've had babies, he had to be cleaned by his creation. He had to be fed by his creation. Think about how much security God had to have within himself to enter in a place like that. That pride is actually rooted in insecurity. And so I want to contrast the two to help us out. I want to talk about the fruit of humility versus the fruit of pride. That the fruit of humility is actually connection. Humility actually desires connection. <laughs> desires connection with each other, desires connection with God. But pride, the fruit of pride is actually control. I want to control how I look, I want to control my environment, and who knows that controlling connection cannot coexist. If you've had a controlling parent, you know control and connection cannot coexist. Because control actually causes you to focus within yourself and on yourself, whereas humility actually causes you to focus on others. That the fruit of humility is to receive, whereas pride resists. Humility knows how to receive. Pride doesn't. That humility, the fruit of humility serves, whereas the fruit of pride wants to be served. The fruit of humility honors others, whereas the fruit of pride judges. And so just as we wrap up, I want you guys to think about this. I want you to ask yourself these three questions to see that if your natural disposition is to respond in humility or pride, the first thing is if someone corrects you from a genuine place, how do you respond? I want you just to reflect. When someone corrects you from a genuine place, how do you respond? Do you respond in humility or do you respond in pride? When someone asks you to do something that you don't want to do. <laughs> when someone asks you to do something that's inconvenient, do you respond in humility or do you respond in pride? Last one. Do you often judge people who do things differently than you? Do you judge people who do things differently than you? To show if you're responding in humility pride.
And so for the creator of the universe to submit himself to our experience and to die the death we deserve required humility. Have the worship team come up. That God had to be humble to be with us. I want you to listen to this. And I would say we also have to be humble to be with him. God had to be humble to be with us, but it actually requires humility to be with him. What do I mean by that? Humility connects. Humility receives. Humility honors. Humility serves. That actually requires us to choose dependency versus independence. That humility allows us to push past pride and independence and invite God to truly be with us. That our pride and independence is what keeps us away from his presence. And just as God had to be humble with us, we have to be humble to represent him to the world. And Bill Johnson, he says this quote, he says, rule with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king. Rule with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king. Amen. So I'm gonna pray and we're just gonna wrap up and worship. But I want us just to reflect on this as, as we are entering to Christmas and as we reflect on the way in which Jesus came. I don't want this just to be information. <laughs> I know it's so easy, Christmas time, going through the motions. It's so easy to just focus on what needs to get done, the things we need to buy, the things, the checking the list, all that stuff. But I actually want us to take a second and to allow the way in which he came to actually transform us. God, if there's anything in me that still doesn't reflect you, today I give you permission to reveal that. Today I give you permission to show me where I need to mature. Do you know that Jesus submitted himself to the process of maturity? Scripture actually says that he grew in stature and wisdom with God and man. If Jesus had to mature, you have to mature. So let's stand. So King Jesus, we thank you that you are a humble king. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just reveal the depth of what it means for you to be with us. I pray that the truth of God with us would not just be something we know, but something we experience. Not just something that we know about, but a person that we know. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't need strength to draw near. Thank you that our strength isn't what attracts you, it's actually our weakness. It says that he's close to the brokenhearted. So Lord, I pray that right now, if there's just any layers that is causing us to draw near, any lies, any things, any belief systems, I pray that you would just reveal that you are the great high priest who made a way for us to be right there with you in your presence. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus.
Lord, would you just instill humility within every person in this church? Would you reveal where there is pride? Would you reveal where there is control? Would you reveal where, where it's hard for us to receive? Would you reveal where we are judgmental? Lord, as simple as this word is, I pray that it would cut, that it would divide between soul and spirit. Would you, would you do surgery right now in this moment? That some of you <laughs> in the holidays are going to be around family members you don't want to be around. Lord, would we embody the humility of Jesus in those moments? Would we embody the humility of God who is with us, who came as a child submitting himself to our humanity to die the death that we deserve? Lord, as we behold you, we become like you. And so we just behold the humility of our King. Holy Spirit, would you just do surgery right now? Would you cut? Would you divide? Would you sever? Where the root of pride has taken place. Guys, false humility is rooted in pride. Thinking less of yourself is false humility. is actually rooted in pride because you're still focused on yourself. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission. Do the work. Show us the beauty of, of the humility that you embodied. That you invited your disciples to embody, to wash each other's feet. To serve when it's inconvenient. Thank you, Emmanuel. We love you so much. We just worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.